Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. This episode is sponsored by the Integrity Income Fund, which is managed by yours truly and my team at Labrador Lending. The Integrity Income Fund is for accredited investors. It aims to pay an 8% preferred return and an 8.5% preferred return for early investors. It aims to pay out monthly distributions. There's a $25,000 minimum and only a one-year lockup. If you are an accredited investor and you're looking to get away from Wall Street, uh, looking to beat inflation, and looking for an asset class that is backed by hard physical real estate, then look no further than the Integrity Income Fund. Check it out at labradorlending.com. I just had the chance to talk to Breck Palombo, um, and Breck's story is fascinating. Um, he um, has had a lot of success in business. He just had a recent uh, exit um, of a company that he spent 12 or 13 years creating, and um, that was very successful. But his story is uh, far from you know a straight up into the right uh, line of success. It um, there are a lot of ups and downs. He went through a period of bankruptcy uh, and extreme. Uh, humility and pain, and and he gets a little bit choked up on the episode referring to um, his family situation and um, during those difficult times. But he's got a an awesome perspective after having gotten through this adversity, and um, you know, talks about how money isn't going to solve your problems, money isn't going to bring you happiness, um, but there are a ton of awesome lessons learned through this for entrepreneurs, especially. Um, and anyone who's had any kind of financial struggle, um, you know, he's learned to live without and learned to live with quite a bit. Um, and so I really enjoyed chatting with him. He's, uh, onto a new venture now called alt reports and, um, he's focused on alternative investing, um, and building a community around that. And, and, um, potentially some uh, investment funds around in that space. Um, so Breck is a, is a great guy and I really enjoyed speaking with him and I know you're going to love this episode. Inspiring stories of real people overcoming incredible odds to live life to the fullest. We are all guaranteed to face hardships. How will we handle the adversity? 
Join us to be moved by everyday people who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. Be inspired as these relatable heroes get vulnerable. And former counterintelligence investigator Jamie Bateman puts his interviewing skills to the test. Restore your faith in humanity as you experience true Cinderella stories of average people turning surreal struggle and deep despair into booming businesses and financial fortune. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live and turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Breck Palombo. Breck, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Good. Um, Breck uh, comes to us uh, from Alt Reports, his new uh, business venture he's working on that we're going to get into. Um, and I had the uh, chance to be on 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 Breck's show uh, recently, so I'm not sure which which show will come out first. But um, uh, Breck, tell us what you're up to today. Uh, today, I am exploring. Um, what to do with your money at Alt Reports. So, um, you know, last year I, I had sort of a big uh, exit, like a, a, a business event and found myself a little bit flat footed on, on what to do with uh, proceeds and started talking to a lot of folks and really opened up the sphere of stuff that I'm, uh, I was looking at, which led me to thinking, well, if I've been as involved in, in money and business as I, I have been in, and all this stuff is sort of, you know, dark to me and I haven't ever seen any of it, then, then there, there must be people who would want to know how the private markets, uh, and that sort of investing, uh, all happens, and so that's sort of the the journey that I've started with uh, alt reports in the newsletter over there. Awesome, yeah, that's uh, that's right up uh, right up my alley, right up our alley as far as the listeners go. I mean, it's um, I'm in a mastermind group called the Passive Income Mastermind, and you know that's what we talk about is what to do with money, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the, dealing with the the non public. Um, asset classes and strategies that are out there that a lot of people, most people don't don't even know about. Or if they do, like you've alluded to, if they do, they barely, they've scratched the surface. You know, they might yeah. have heard of a self-directed IRA or something and realize that you can put your money in a multifamily project. But other than that, I mean, there's a whole world that's, that's uh, most people are unaware of. So that's, yeah. There's private. an untapped market there. Exactly. Yeah. It's private, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. But um, yeah, so tell us a little bit more about, if you would, if you, I don't know how much you can talk about it, but your your sale of your business and uh, previously and kind of give us maybe the last two or three years of of your life, an overview of, of what that looked like. Oof. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Um, last two or three years. Well... I feel like I should go back 12 years, but we'll start, we'll start, we'll start the last two or three. So yeah, last, last October 8th, I sold a business that I had built over the prior 12 years. Okay. And uh, it's an online business in the real estate space. It was called, or still is called distressedpro.com. It's in good hands uh, now with some other, the, the acquirers. And uh, what happened was uh, over the last couple of years, 
Well, let me back up about seven years. About uh, seven years ago, I had got my online business to a point where um, I no longer had to be any particular place in order to run it. And so uh, that was, I, I started the business in 2009. And then in uh, February of, or, of 2014, I sort of found myself now, I, I had, I, you know, I was financially free or whatever. I was making mm-hmm. good, solid six figures and um, automatically like rebills, you know, recurring revenue and all that. And, uh, and how, and much, I found how much myself, work were you putting in at that point yourself? Well, see, that's kind of the thing that that uh, I found was that I was still doing the daily grind. So I was living in New England, which was where I was born and raised. And every day I'd get up and from eight to whatever, six, I'd go Mm -hmm. to this desk and just, you know, be at it no matter, you know, what was going on. And then I remember um, a friend of mine had had moved to Colorado and he posted a uh, a picture, this, you know, bluebird, I mean, like blue sky day, you know, powder. I'm a big skier. He's out mm-hmm. skiing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I doing here? It's like 38 <laughs> and raining and I'm yeah. it's dark. And like, I, I've never wanted to be here. I'm only here because I was born here. There's no other reason for me to be here. And I really kind of just like, uh, broke down. Yeah. Um, hmm. And was and found myself like very depressed, even mm. after having what a lot of people would consider to be like, you know, successful success. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, and so at that point, I was like, all right, well, I had a podcast at the time called Bootstrapped with Kids, where I, I had uh, I had been recording for a couple of years, like uh, the chronology of this and in, in, in the building uh, of the, the business. And so I said, well, I'm going to um, I got to change this. Like, I can't be. Mm-hmm. weeping at my desk you know what i mean um that's that's there's no reason for it like i shouldn't that sure. I, I shouldn't be feeling like this and so i talked on the podcast about that um that i was going to move and i sort of made a commitment i just like mm-hmm. up and made a commitment um and then and then the ball started rolling so uh so after that like I'll just give a, it's a lot of story. I'll condense into a small bit, but that was in February or March. Uh, by August, we had sold everything that we had, literally uh, everything that we had or dropped it off at uh, Goodwill uh, and packed ourselves into a van and a, and a trailer, three kids and, uh, and a dog. Wow. Uh, and we drove off with, uh, with, you know, sort of loose plans um, that turned into about a 15 month uh, trip. Huh. We wow. ended up uh, landing in Bend, Oregon, eventually, and um, and it was really having to prepare for that kind of travel that completely changed my mindset and the business. And it demanded mm-hmm. that instead of just getting up and grinding away, you mm-hmm. know, at the computer every day that I would have to be much more deliberate in what mm. I was doing, that I would have sure. to only do um, the things that really mattered and that I would have to allow other people to do the things that they could do mm-hmm. to run the business, sure. which was kind of a major letting go um, period for me. Yeah. And so, uh, so that seven years ago now landed me in Bend, Oregon. And, um, and I got to say that, 
I've been pretty blessed here. You know, I ski mm-hmm. um, 70 to 100 days a year, depending on wow. you know what we've got going. I probably I'm a big cyclist. I ride, you know, 150 days a year, something like mm. that, like quite That's a awesome. bit, almost every day. Um, and I'm at home. Um, and, um, yeah, things are really good. I really can't complain. Nice. The last year, uh, what happened was, um, the way that it came to pass that I sold the business was that I just got to a point that I had been working on it for so long that, um, and I just sort of hit a plateau Mm. and it was still growing, but not at a rate that, um, that felt awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and 12 years, is a long time to be on anything. And so at that sure. time, when I realized I'd be exiting that business, I really buckled down to really remove myself from it to the point mm-hmm. where, um, it was two half hour meetings on a Monday, pretty much it, mm-hmm. um, which allowed me to really, awesome. when I exited that business, um, from offer to sale is 15 days. And so as you know, that's the first check mm-hmm. over seven figures I've ever received. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it was wow. for that business. <laughs> and um, I expect there would be more. And um, yeah. so 15 days, no support. You know, I had one or two uh, follow-up calls with them. Usually when you sell a business, you offer support for months at a time. Sure. Um, but I just decided that I was going to completely eliminate myself from that and really empower the team that I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing that really made that business much more valuable and allowed me to step, you know, step Just away. Prior so, to the sale, you enabled yeah. and your team to take, take that, uh, ownership and got it. Um, it was about yeah. an 18 month process of really, uh, really working to get them hmm. autonomous. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I've had several guests who have somewhat, <laughs> I mean, your story is unique, but there, it, it reminds me of like Kevin Dahlstrom was on the show. He, he, um, was making 1.2, $1.3 million a year at his, wow. and he was a, uh, chief marketing officer for, um, I think he worked for, uh, Mr. Cooper. I think he created the Mr. Cooper brand, but basically he found himself, uh, grinding and making a lot of money and, ha- yeah wife and a couple kids i'm not sure but just wasn't happy yeah. <laughs> and yeah uh, but and didn't need to be continuing to do that you know because yeah. he made a lot of money and so and i don't want to speak for him but he, he he talked about how he in a sense kind of had a reset and um what some people might call a midlife crisis but he called it a, a yeah. reset and they moved he moved the family to boulder colorado because mm-hmm. he likes to climb rocks and uh yeah. And then similar to you, he he uh, started a new venture after maybe a month because I think he was a little <laughs> bit bored. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> so that's that one, one. But they, I've had other guests on who have been removed from their business who, um, you know, oftentimes through uh, not their own doing. And mm. it's and it's kind of devastated the business or or, you know, really hurt things from a profit standpoint. So I. I, I Really, what I'm getting is you've over the years made a commitment to being intentional and strategic with your time and energy and and it sounds like it's paying dividends. Um, at least that's one one thing I'm pulling out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so that's that's really good 
context for kind of the recent um you know seven year period is there yeah. anything you want to add to the today's uh you know the the element of today i guess before we jump back into a little bit more of your background yeah i mean i guess i i could just say that i can confirm for you that you know money doesn't bring happiness if you're somebody who's thinking that that mm-hmm. uh, you're listening to this and, you, and you're you're thinking that it might um not that i'm unhappy but um a lot of my friends actually have had exits at this point. I see I w- I'm in like a cohort of folks who started, you know, 15 mm-hmm. years ago and um, and and none of them started from anything. Mm-hmm. Many of them have seven and eight figures today. Um, and I can tell you that the struggles with just relationships and children in the day to day and all of that mm-hmm. kind of like none of that changes. Not mm-hmm. one thing. Your stuff's a little nicer. Um, <laughs> but right. um but the feeling, what, what I haven't been able to get over is the feeling that now I have more money than I've ever had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the feeling that that could all disappear in a moment mm. um, just has never left me. And I don't know if it ever will. I didn't grow up mm. with any money. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I don't know what one has to <laughs> has to do to, to get into a mindset mm. where you... Mm-hmm just don't you know, don't think about fear. it um, yeah. anymore. But I don't know anyone, um, no matter how much they have, who uh, who's comfortably in that mm-hmm. spot mentally right now. Yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's, uh, I, we really like to keep it real on the show and yeah. um, not pretend that, you know, if, if you have $10 million dropped into your lap tomorrow, that that solves all your problems. And yeah, um, it doesn't. <laughs> no, and and <laughs> sounds yeah. like you can say that from experience, but yeah. um, but uh, but but you know, also that doesn't mean you should bury your head in the sand and and shy away from conversations about money. And to me, money is a very important topic, mm. you know. Um, but but absolutely, I agree that you know certainly the I think money in and of itself or wealth it should be personally. I think it should be viewed like kind of like the internet or you know something very powerful or but inherently not good or bad could be used for yeah. for very good purposes or or very bad purposes that's just you know my own kind of perspective but yeah i mean for me think, it's, a, it, it's about security and time like i want to know sure. that i have control of my time and i can do what i want to do when i want to do sure. it absolutely um and then i don't have to worry about uh the yeah. money yeah, that's, that makes perfect sense. I'll let it's you know about, when I when I stop <laughs> worrying about the money. Yeah, no, I hear you though. It's more about freedom, time, freedom, and control of of choices and 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 your and your life, really. Yeah. Um, but so let's jump back and and uh, dive into. I know you mentioned something before uh, the other day to me. Uh, yeah, know, some financial struggles you've you've had, and we can certainly pivot and talk about other other struggles, but. Um, if you would, let's kind of jump back to, um, you know, whatever time frame you want to start with, but sure. really focus on some some personal adversity that you've been through. And and again, the goal sure. is to pull out lessons learned and and maybe things that you've been able to apply to your your own perspective on life or your business or um, it, it, there is you know we're trying to make it somewhat of a practical uh, show as well. Uh, yeah. Other than just 
talking about people's problems. We want to sure. try to help people. Um, and you know, so I think you yeah. get the point. So, so yeah, yeah. let's, uh, let's jump back. Where do you want to start? Sure. I'll, I'll go all the way back. Um, my, my first business I bought when I was 15 with a neighbor of mine and it was a bike shop and it was the, the neighborhood bike shop. It had been on our street for 25 years and it changed hands twice. And, um, and the owner was, um, a young guy who's, this is back, this is in the eighties. So, um, everything was different at that. And we bought it for $3,500, which is basically like a collection. Wow. It was like some relationships with vendors and a collection of like dirty parts. <laughs> and, uh, and so we did that and, and grew that. And I, you know, I, I was always working, you know, two, three jobs and, and, and just really like industrious. Um, but, uh, but was never really very good with money and uh, was not uh, I, I had a real procrastination kind of problem. Mm. Wouldn't face paperwork and that kind of thing, which plagued me and just dogged me all through like my early 20s mm. in a big way to the point where. You know, I'd get eviction notices for not paying the rent. I had a car repossessed when I was mm. uh, 21. Mm. Um, and all, all just sort of being like not keeping my eye on the ball and and not being able to like face uh, the finances, you know. Mm. Um, and and that really dogged me for a long time. And it took some it took like some really abrupt stuff uh, happening in my early 20s uh, to to change that and to get me to mm. grow up uh, a little bit. <laughs> right, right. So so, so um, just before the before we get to the kind of major, you know, adversity there, um do you think what was causing those I mean was it was it you didn't, weren't making enough money or you were spending too much money uh, or you just were disorganized or all of the above? I was disorganized and I just had a problem facing uh, money, dealing with money. And I think, you know, if I'm, well, now it's going to be like a therapy session, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I always I say we I, can edit things, but we rarely do. <laughs> yeah. If I had to go back um, there and really think about it, you know, I grew up in this, uh, in a house where, you know, his parents were divorced and had uh, stepkid, you know, step siblings and all this kind of thing. And mm -hmm. and it was uh, a situation where, you know, my father did pretty well. And my mother and her new husband did not. And there's money tension all the time. Mm. And I think that um, for that reason, I just didn't want to face it. I just sure. I like just dealing with the subject of it was yeah. difficult. Okay. Um, I was good at making it and, mm -hmm. but I just had no idea what to do with it. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. So, right. uh, or how to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then in, you said, I think you mentioned your early twenties. Uh, yeah. So fast forward a little bit, you know, we get into the, uh, later in the twenties, I, uh, I got into direct sales, which is really good for me. And then mostly in in uh, software, got recruited to a, a company, a startup out in San Francisco in 1999 uh, to lead their Northwest sales uh, for Fortune 1000 accounts, 
turns out we didn't have any product, um, you know, it was vaporware and then, and then the dot-com crash happened, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. out of work again, and I decided to uh, get into real estate. So started in real estate in 2001 or 2000 and really started at the bottom doing just like rentals, like running around, turning, turning keys on Newbury street in Boston, you know, doing, doing rentals work like that. You were, you were an agent. Uh, I, yeah, I was an agent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I had an uncle who did really, really well, at least mm -hmm. it appeared to me he's very mm -hmm. wealthy, you know, sure. uh, had a, uh, had a downtown, you know, penthouse and all that kind of stuff. And he just was selling real estate in Boston. Mm -hmm. I said, that looks pretty good. I think, sure. looks I think glamorous. I should do that. Yeah. Um, and things went pretty well. I quickly moved into the investor uh, niche. So worked with mm -hmm. a lot of investors and, you know, that 2001 to sort of 2006, seven timeframe, mm -hmm. it was find anything that you could possibly convert to condos or subdivide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do that at some stage, whether it's just the paperwork or they're fully finished, sell them, you know, and repeat, keep moving. Uh, that in multifamily sales is a lot of what I I, I did, mm -hmm. uh, which is going great. And then 2006, I remember I had this deal where um, it was this like old folks uh, home, like a uh, assisted mm -hmm. living type yeah. place, big, Sen beautiful senior living. Yeah. Yeah. Senior living, big, beautiful place in um Malden, Massachusetts, and uh, it was was going to be a great conversion as far as we were concerned into condos. They, they were, you know, selling it, and we had a sort of did a private offering uh, to a group of investors that we knew, and we had we ended up with like ten offers, and multiple offers were with uh, they had one hundred percent financing. They were bringing nothing to the table, and it was all hard money. And the values that they had in mind for the exit on it were were way out of control. And I was like, all right, this is officially bubble town. Like we're definitely right. like, that's where we're, if this is how easy, like everybody with a hammer in a van is yeah. now a developer and they have <laughs> unlimited money. So yeah. if you, and if you can weird. fog, if you can fog a mirror, you can get a loan. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, of course, of course, in hindsight, it's easy to talk like this, right? But you're yes. saying you saw this at the time. You're I like, did. This is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. And so what I did was I got positioned um, and I got my uh, auctioneer's license and I started, I was like, well, who's going to have all the game when this happens and it's going to be mm -hmm. banks, right? Sure. So so I did that and I teamed up with a great uh, firm called Transon Auction Properties. I, I ran their Southern New England Territory, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. Um, and um, and that was awesome, except for the interim, which was like 2007 mm -hmm. till 2000, like, you know, nine or so, because what mm -hmm. I, this doesn't, you know, it's not like a f switch flips sure. right, and right. they start selling right so having foresight didn't didn't change the fact that in 2008 i went from you know i went from my last year in like traditional real estate sales i think we're just over 200 like 220,000 or something like that the next year um it was 19,000 you know did all the same amount wow. of work and made like $19,000 yeah. you know my my father doesn't even was cover, a realtor What's that? I, was just, I was just going to say my father was a realtor growing up. Yeah. And so I've, I've, you know, pretty closely experienced the ups and downs and he would bust his butt. I mean, he worked really hard and yeah. it, some years it 
it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. it's like you're one year you're rolling in it and then next year you're not barely able to pay the mortgage. So I, I can relate um from from watching him through all you know all those all those years. So yeah, it's a tough, that's a tough business. Can be rewarding, but also yeah. there's a there's a downside. So I mean, it was horrible. I had a I had a condo project going on, had tons of debt on it. I had a new brokerage that I had opened up, leases. At that time, that's when you would still lease copiers for six hundred dollars a month, mm. you know. Yeah. And um and office space and, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you go back and you think about, you know, 2006, seven, eight, uh, mm-hmm. that time frame, we're in a very different place uh, in terms of how business runs. Mm-hmm. So I had all these expenses. I had tons of debt uh, and, uh, and I had no revenue at all mm. uh, for a couple of years. Um, not, not at all, but felt like not at all after, you know, because by that time now I've got, um, you know, I had a child and I had another one on the way hmm. and we're just, I took, you know, a real estate, like I'm a hundred percent in real estate heading into the global financial crisis mm-hmm. with leverage was a terrible hmm. so place to be. The leverage so, and, and the debt you just mentioned, it that was all kind of personal or mortgage or was it business debt or um, it was mortgage. Yeah, mortgage. it was okay. the cost of flipping this this condo. Project. Got it. Got it. Got it. Understood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, so kind of deep into that, uh, you know, I had a partner. My partner um, went uh, bankrupt, and then um, I against like I decided, okay, well, I'm going to keep going. The right thing for mm-hmm. me to do right then would have been to have strategically defaulted to have just said, okay, you know, like I'm going to start, I'm going to start anew, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, um, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason I I had in my mind, you know, the idea that I I had somehow put some like moral or ethical, um, you know, uh, uh, weight on this decision to continue to, to pay these things that were obvious losers at that time. There was no, Mm -hmm. the, if I was going to get any of that money back, it was going to be in a decade. It wasn't going to be, you know, it wasn't going to be in any time soon. So just quickly becoming insolvent. And uh, and what I should have done is I, I, yeah, I should have filed right then, but I didn't, I Mm -hmm. persisted for another year and a half. And then, um, it was bad, man. I had, um, I had nothing. Uh, we, we, um, my kids are born. My first two, I have three. The first two were born 21 months apart, and it was headlong into uh, into a bankruptcy and a foreclosure mm. and a short sale. Mm. Moved in with my mother, um, mm. which you know, I don't know if there's anything more embarrassing than moving in <laughs> with your mother with your wife and two babies. Right. Um, I mean, it was uh, all yeah. choked up, like talking about. No, it. I can't. I. I mean, that's that's a lot of that's a, that's a lot. There's a lot of pressure there. There's yeah. Um, and I think probably, and this was probably before. I, you know, it, I think it got a little more became a little bit more common after that to maybe for younger adults to move back in with their parents. Um, but there's yeah, yeah that's. Not that in that way be, at that time. It wasn't not in that way at that time. Great. Right. <laughs> that's uh, that's <laughs> think, beyond humbling. Yeah. You know, for um, a lot of folks at in my 
at my age at that moment went back for masters, you know, they went back and, Oh, I'm going to go get an MBA, you know, ride this out. I mean, I guess that's that, that, that works. Not if you're as deep in a business as I was, that was so Mm -hmm. ravaged by, um, you know, by the, the global financial crisis. So, yeah. Well, um, and how did that affect your, you know, obviously we don't want to beat you up and that's not the point of the (laughs) the show, but, but, uh, you know, how did that affect, what was your wife saying? What was, you know, the, what were the family circumstances at that yeah. time? My wife is a rock. Um, yeah. Gotcha. No, that's, I mean, yeah, it sounds yeah. like you've been through some real, some real pain there. So um, oh, you stirred it up, Jamie. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's think- a rock. Um, what happened was, I mean, I just, I turned work up to 11 you know, I worked uh, day and night to get out of that situation all the time. Gotcha. I the auction started kicking in finally, and I would be on the road. I'd do a thousand miles a week. I'd be on the road from seven a.m. till you know five or six p.m. And then I got the idea that I wanted to do something online, and so I started you know looking around for how do I how do I do that? And started listening mm-hmm. to podcasts and following mm-hmm. stuff. And then I found myself in July of uh, or June of 2009, I was at this thing called the American uh, Bankruptcy Institute Symposium. So uh, that's where you meet lawyers who are who are mm-hmm. handling bankruptcy cases. And when you're an mm-hmm. auctioneer, that's who you want to know, because the council mm-hmm. is who, you know, makes that whole thing go. Council like bank they council. Control. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, they're in control. They uh, like any of the the debt that they're selling or who they pick to liquidate that stuff. That all like they are major gatekeepers for that. Also, Got bankruptcy it. sales can be very good um, for an auctioneer. So that's a whole other discussion. But mm. um, I was at this boring uh, thing at Bretton Woods, and uh, and I had been listening the whole way up. I was listening to podcasts, and then you know, really, the only thing for an auctioneer to do at an at a bankruptcy symposium is to go to the bar in between <laughs> things to try and meet people and buy them a drink. You know what I mean? Sure. So the rest of the time, I kind of hold up uh, in my room, and I read the I read the four hour work week. Mm, yeah. And it's so cliche, but this is exactly what happened was I read the four hour work week uh, that that weekend or is two days, probably a weekday and yeah. uh, listened to podcasts my way back home. And then I decided uh, that's it. I'm doing this and mm-hmm. um, had an idea. I did a quick test of it. And the idea was, OK, if I am. Um, if I'm looking for these deals from the banks, then mm-hmm. somebody else is, you know, they, I, I know a lot of people in real estate, they're looking for deals in banks. And mm-hmm. I had discovered through some of my training uh, that I got with the auction company that I was associated with uh, the mm-hmm. FDIC data. And mm-hmm. I can't really, actually I have an NDA for my last mm-hmm. company, so I can't get into a lot of detail mm-hmm. about, uh, like I can't pr- produce any free or paid content about sourcing non-performing notes or ARIA direct from banks. Sure. That's like basically gotcha. what my NDA says. Okay, well, let's um, just, end, let's end the show right here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically there's a bunch of data out there and um, and I knew where it was and how to get it and what it meant. And so I took it and I started packaging it and trying to sell it as a PDF. And on my very first try, 
um, I sent out this, a friend of mine actually sent out an email for me to his list and I sold like 800 or $900 of this PDF. It was like a 150 page PDF mm -hmm. uh, that has each bank and all of their, you know, all their stuff on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, all right, well, that's going to work, I think. And mm -hmm. I uh, managed to scrape together like not a lot of money. Um, I think $3,000, something like that. And I had a mm -hmm. prototype built. Um, and so on August 31st of 2009, I had my first software product. I had no mm -hmm. idea what I was doing. I was, <laughs> I had no technical skills, uh, whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, I, um, you know, I was completely on a wing and a prayer and that was distresspro.com. My first user it was me on August 31st, 2009. And you had no technical background. Really? No, none. Yeah. Okay. Because I think, I mean, nowadays it may be more common. You would know better than I would, but more common to be able to do something like that. You know, I'm not saying it's easy, but yeah, you can approach something. It's way easier. Way easier, right? Because <laughs> yeah. most people yeah, but, that would have done that had a, would have a technical background and created, yeah. you know, back there coding all night and figuring it out. But I think uh, nowadays you can outsource the technical piece a lot more easily, I would think. You can, yeah. Um, yeah. So, what, and just to, so the bankruptcy event that you were at was strictly for your professional career, it had no tie into your personal bankruptcy, right? That's right, yeah. Okay. If you're somebody who's um, looking to do distressed deals with uh, lenders, then the Turnaround Management Association, that's tma.org, or the American Bankruptcy Institute, those are two groups or associations where you want to go be kind of in that mix. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So you saw that there was, this was probably going to work. Now, you, now you've got, sounds like you've well, got some I hope. Well, I hoped it would work. You, you, hope, <laughs> right? you you've got hope, but there, there's a chance this could work. Um, yeah, there's a whiff of it. Yeah. <laughs> which is maybe more than you had previously, right? Um, yeah. I mean, what I really wanted was... Regular, recurring, monthly income. Yeah, you know it's great to go get a fifty or eighty thousand dollar check doing a a deal. You know that sure. feels awesome. Right. It feels better to have ten or twenty thousand dollars coming in every single month. You know what I sure. mean? Like yeah. there's not. It's those two things aren't aren't equivalent. I mean, I can remember in the final days of my brokerage where we were pushing this two and a half million dollar multifamily deal through and the guy had he owned a bunch of property but he's terrible with his credit and he had like not paid some medical bills and and we're like in the 11th hour on this deal which is the commissions from which were desperately mm -hmm. needed were my wife's mm -hmm. post-dating checks you know mm -hmm. what i mean like yeah yeah that is not a good feeling um right and yeah we we did end up closing that and mm -hmm. uh, and you know it was a big sale. Yeah, that was awesome. But right. the stress involved with that versus right. like just money coming in every month is right. huge. Well, and it's not only the unpredictability and the, the the volatility, but also the fact that you're also pivoting your mindset to from a, a job to a business. Yeah. You know, that's at least that's my own. <laughs> I could be yeah. uh, putting words in your mouth, but I mean, I think that for the, you know, those big checks, typically you're you're really working whether you own a business or not you're you're really working hard for those big checks yeah whereas you're in, in th at this point in your life it sounds like you were trying to be intentional about um with that four hour uh work week mindset and, and making it more of a recurring 
more passive. You can debate all day if there's ever actually any such a thing as truly passive income. Yeah, but there isn't. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> I would agree yeah. with that. But um, but you but there's a there's a lot of gray and there's there's there a, is. you know there's a spectrum. Yeah, um, for sure. So you've pivoted your mindset and you're so and tell us how tell us what you can uh about distress pro from from when it started, uh, you you essentially already did in the beginning, but just bring us yeah. up through up through. Yeah, today. so here's the arc: is basically uh, August thirty first um, is um, you know the the first user, and I start uh, I started a podcast at the time, and I started just going to um, speaking events. I would go and I'd go to any kind of real estate event, and so in late October of uh, that year, I got my first paying user. His name was Mark Ostroff from the uh, back of the room in uh, Providence, Rhode <laughs> Island, real estate uh, investor nice. association type meeting. I, nice. you know, did the presentation and then, you know, went to the back of the room and, yeah. and uh, signed him up uh, for 80 bucks. Which, by the way, um, and it sounds like you'll never forget the details of that first customer. Yeah. But I mean, the fact you've mentioned podcasts, three or four times and and this yeah. now nowadays it's you know we all have podcasts right yeah <laughs> i guess so. back then it, it was uh it was pretty uncommon i mean it was uncommon and it got me uh noticed really quickly and put me on mm-hmm. the map really quick um you know so so that that i just started inter- interviewing guys i knew Mm-hmm. Um, in the area who were doing good business. And that, that was, that was sort of the start of it. And then once mm-hmm. I posted that on, um, you know, LinkedIn and that kind of thing, uh, I've been on LinkedIn long enough that my handle on there is just slash my first name, you know what I mean? So it's <laughs> like a, 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 a yeah. quite a while. Nice. Um, and, um, and yeah, so, so I started, like that, then I sort of discovered SEO, but but basically from 2009 to 2000, uh, fall of 2012, I think also October 2012, I, I just worked my ass off. I, I worked, I did auctions all day and I did um, the new business all night. And um, my wife and I slept in separate rooms and mm. Uh, because I was just, we had two babies and I was mm-hmm. just working, working, working all the mm-hmm. time. And then um, in 2012, I reached uh, 8,000 a month in recurring uh, revenue. And I said, uh, all right, like I'm going to, I'm just going to step off. I'm going to take this leap and, and see, you know, if I can, if I can really go for it. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, uh, 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 and I did that in the following, it was, it was like days or a week. I was on this, uh, host called media temple and I had been, I got hacked and mm. they, uh, whoever hacked me started like sending spam, like banking mm. spam type messages mm. and media temple just, sh- just shut it off the whole site and everything just like wow. shut the whole thing off. And I was like, what's happening and they're like well you've been spamming people i'm like it's not me and they're like right. no we can see that it came from your your ip address i'm like you know i'm not i'm not a technical per, technical right. person i don't know right. what the hell's going on you know <laughs> right. at all um and that was horrible i was down for about three days hmm. um this was just after terminating everything else that i was doing and uh they wouldn't even turn it back up so that at that time i was too too dumb to even have like proper backups, you know, Mm -hmm. what I should have had is 
a way to just turn it on somewhere else. I didn't have that. Um, I, I did when I was done, uh, one <laughs> before I sold, but at that mm -hmm. time I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, uh, it was an existential moment. Like that was mm. like, that very well could have been it. I ended up finding an amazing guy from Egypt actually, mm. who was able to like take the little pieces out and put them back to together mm. and get, got us stood back up. Um, but yeah, so then it started growing, uh, you know, faster when it got mm -hmm. my full attention. Um, and that kind of brought us up to 2014 where I'm, mm. uh, you know, crying in my office and <laughs> in, in New England in February. Right. Yeah. So what would you say about the kind of the, what's your take on just the overall view? Uh, what's your view of, I guess, hustle culture? I, I guess like, you know, what I'm getting at is you have kind of, well, nowadays everything's so polarized. You have two sides to every, oh, and yeah. only two sides <laughs> to yeah. everything. Yeah, really. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, you've been through periods where you've, you've, you've had a lot of ups and downs. You've had a lot of periods where you've worked extremely hard. And then it yeah. sounds like some periods where you have been a lot more passive. Um, do you think it's possible to, to uh, get to sort of passive income or, or essentially, you know, a passive business without putting in that extreme amount of, of work? Because I guess what I'm saying is you get a lot of, successful business people who talk about you know or anti-hustle culture and and yeah talk but it's like yeah but you put in 10 15 years of a whole lot of work Day and night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i'm just curious if you have anything to add there um i'm a big believer in um systems and i try to do things only once anytime that i'm approaching any work that I'm doing, like in the business that I'm starting now, everything is new, right? I've never run a media company and I've never had, you know, daily deadlines and, and all this kind of thing. And so everything that I do, I approach it with, okay, I'm about to do this, but if it weren't me doing this, mm -hmm. how would somebody else do this? How would I tell mm -hmm. them how they can do this? correctly mm -hmm. uh, so that I can hand that thing off every single time. So mm. I never now, I mean, this is a hard one lesson. Like this wasn't something that yeah. I was like, oh, you yes, haven't been doing everything this. I'm going to do is repeatable. You know, right. you haven't been doing this for since you were 15 or since you bought the bike shop, you know, you weren't yeah. doing that I mean, at that time. My first business that made any money was the real estate business in two, you know, started in 2004 or six or whatever, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, but, uh, you know, the other ones I was just working, I was working in the business all the time. I wasn't working on the mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but since, since our road trip, uh, mm -hmm. I've, it, I'm very focused on the, on working on mm -hmm. the business. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, but every, I, I do think that, and it all comes down to people. You can mm -hmm. do a bunch of, you can do a, a lot of sort of automations and that kind of thing. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you're going to have to have some mm -hmm. really competent people whom you love who yeah. can execute the way that you need them to execute yeah. uh, so that you can delegate to them. But uh, I look at anything that I'm doing and I want to first eliminate it 
if it is not providing any value, if it can't be eliminated, then mm-hmm. I want to automate it. If it can't be automated, then I want to delegate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sort of how I pr- approach any of the, the things that I'm doing. And then I want to systemize all of that so that each time anybody's going to go and approach that, uh, they're going to follow that system. And then if that system needs to be improved, then we're going to, you know, we're going to improve that. But we're mm-hmm. not going to do things without a system at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how you get to sort of passive income or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's gotcha. where you can have uh, like the business that I sold. We had systems on how how we talk about things. When do we talk about them? Where do we talk about them? And what mm-hmm. things are worth talking about? Like mm-hmm. down to like every every last little nook. And that is a way that once you do that. And people buy into it and they're on board. That's mm-hmm. how you have two half-hour meetings a week mm-hmm. and everything stays on track. Um, because and that was the last 18 months of that the business is what you Yeah, were... that was the last 18 months of the business. It wasn't like that before that. I was probably still putting in a day or two, maybe sometimes a little more mm-hmm. uh, a week. Um, but definitely the last 18 months because I just made a commitment. I was like, if I'm ever going to sell this, my name and face are all over the thing. I'm on the videos, right. I'm on the, you know, <laughs> right. all this kind of yeah. thing. It's going to have to stand on its own legs, you know? Sure. Yep. And so with that in mind, then anything that I do can't yep. have to be done, but yeah, it has your, to be able to be done by somebody else. So can you say approximately how much you were making an income, uh, in the last couple of years before you sold the business, um, you don't have to give us exact numbers. Yeah, over over three hundred thousand, and, and uh, not working, not working a whole lot. That's, revenue, yeah. Um, it was, the thing about software businesses is they're really high margin, um, sure. especially as you you get a little bit bigger. Because so, yeah. for me yeah. to, you know, if I've got uh, developers and support and uh, marketing manager. If I have a thousand customers or ten thousand customers, it's not that it's different. Almost the same amount of work. Yeah, right? it's almost the same amount. So and, I didn't have cost. that many customers, <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, the scale is is, is sure. Fair, so. Gotcha. You know, that there's uh, the the selling that business felt felt like a big deal and felt like a, a lot of money for about five minutes. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really peanuts compared to, mm. I think what's possible out mm. there and what a lot of people are, uh, are achieving. So there's always that, like, you know, what else could I, could I mm-hmm. do or what else could I achieve? Mm-hmm. And, and that just, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. There's not, uh, I, I have a friend who just sold a business for mid eight figures and, mm-hmm. um, and what's uh, and we were in a group where we're, I have a number of masterminds that I'm in, mm-hmm. and it's been mm-hmm. one of the things has been huge for me mm-hmm. over the years. Some of them have been on for seven years, eight mm-hmm. years, um, and uh, he's in one of them. And so I know his business very intimately, and you know mm-hmm. his life and 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 all that kind of thing. And he has this big exit, and um, his life really hasn't changed. You know, like he got a <laughs> he got a new bicycle. You know, and there's, you know, it's, and that's kind of how it is. You know, it's like, okay, well, we still have kids. They're still going to, like, I still got to get to practice and they've got to, you know, like life is still just doing what it's doing. So, you know, yeah. So, so now you're onto your, we'll talk in in a few minutes about your, your current uh, venture, but um, what would you say 
what's for you, what's the driving force then at this point? Is it, you know, is it making more money? Is it proving yeah. yourself what you can accomplish? What, 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 what drives yeah. you right now? For me, it's uh, security. I, um, and the financial security of my family that it's, uh, it might sound like a lot of money to, you know, um, but in the grand scheme of things and the way that money is, uh, going and, mm-hmm. uh, and all that, it's actually not very mm-hmm. much. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that if we're talking about, I'm 40, you know, how old am I? 48, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm 46. I have, to, I have to remind myself every so often, but, yeah. um, yeah, no, I mean, well, and granted, it's easy for me to just say this, but you seem like someone who knows how to reinvent yourself and, and, you know, so even if you, uh, lost it all, heaven forbid, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forbid. feel like you, you, you could, you'd recover and you, you know, um, so there's this saying that it's like a, a, a stoic, um, uh, saying that I, I heard, uh, Tim Ferriss say, uh, where, what you do is you sort of get your, you, you will sort of downgrade your yourself and your, your, mm. your, you know, to more subsistence, at least in mm-hmm. a small, small way. What I did was about a week ago, I just drove off, with no schedule and uh, camped and, and stuff like that. Mm. And, and you, and you just like eat beans and don't mm-hmm. wash and, and all the while asking yourself, is this the condition that I so feared? Mm. Right. Mm. Because yeah. when you really get down to it, you know, as yeah. I'm sitting there and it's cold and it's wet and it's, yeah. and I'm in a tent or whatever. It's like, you know, is this the condition that I so feared? Sure. And uh, and I think that really helps to like recenter that's um, really good. and 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 bring it home. So, yeah, um, that's really good. I, I uh, the episode that should be out right before this one. I interviewed uh, his name's Clint Fiore, and he crashed his plane and almost died uh, about twenty years ago. And um, oh, that's wow. not to say he has no no problems or no anxiety anymore. But he was talking about just replace what if with even if, you know, and, and it's yeah. a more, you know, similar thing, what you're talking about, you know, just kind of saying, well, even if this happens, yeah, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know? And I think that's really the, how, how, how folks have to think about it. We spend a lot of time um, painting these, you know, pictures and making these movies in our heads about all the terrible things that are, you know, could mm-hmm or are going to, you know, happen to us. And, and that really sacrifices the now, which is too bad because that's all that sure. there is, uh, which is something yeah. that I've really tried to focus on over the last few years is just to be like, to be present, which is, mm-hmm. I think the, should be a goal for anybody uh, yeah. all the time. I think it's hard to, for, especially for entrepreneurs who tend to be, you know, type A, strivers you know and i'm always thinking about the next the next goal or the next you know next step and well if you are uh, at least make it a goal and make it a vision and not make it a fear and a a fear sure sure that's true yeah Yeah, good point um so as we head towards the uh the the end here i'm going to fire off a few rapid fire questions Um, Uh (laughs) like i said we can edit things out um What's one thing that people misunderstand about you? Huh. That's an interesting question. I try to be real 
transparent and open in, mm-hmm. in my communication, anything that I put online and, and all that. I try to be real, real honest. I think probably because I have this audience that I've had for so long and have had my face out there. I think people think that, I think it probably looks like, well, I don't know what it looks like. I think it probably looks like I'm just easily successful or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is not the case. <laughs> you know, like there's yeah. nothing I've been done. I've wasted tons of money. I've done a mm. huge numbers of just like stupid, wasteful things that didn't uh, um, amount to a- anything. It was not a smooth mm-hmm. uh, thing. So it was not the like success or whatever else has not been uh, been a breeze. Yeah, no, that's that's very. I th- that, I like that. That's really good. Keeping it real. So, um, yeah. if, if, uh, you could go back and give your 18 year old self some advice, what would that be? I would have invested much sooner in longer term stuff. I would have, I would okay. have been saving all the time. I was not an awesome saver until after I went bankrupt. Um, mm-hmm. and so I would have been saving the whole time. And, um, the other thing I would tell myself is that, no one's going to give you permission. I feel like in the beginning part of my life, I uh, I would have like great ideas or you know uh, for for business and and that kind of thing, and then I would get stopped by self doubt because mm-hmm. I didn't have the degree or I didn't have the you know whatever the the mm-hmm. uh, pedigree uh, mm-hmm. to to do the thing that I wanted to do, and I would slap that right out of my himself if I could. Mm, yeah, that's that's really good. Um yeah, no one's yeah, that's that's good. I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? Well my default on on the historical figure question is uh Ben Franklin. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um if you had to write one book uh in the next 12 months what would the, the topic be or the title? Hmm. Uh, I guess it'd be letters to my children. Okay. Nice. It's really good. How about uh, one meal? If you had to pick one meal to eat for the rest of your life, what would that oh, be? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> what, whatever I just ate last, I guess, is I probably... <laughs> I'd probably be happy with that. Uh, um, beans, geez, right? It would be a uh, in be the woods. A, a salad with uh, grilled meat. Okay, nice. Yes. Um, so as we pivot towards uh, talking about your current venture and then yeah. wrapping up the show, what's one uh, struggle or challenge that you're facing in your business right now? Hmm. Um, the strategies and tactics that I used at to grow Distress Pro successfully mm-hmm. are not the same mm. that will grow my current venture, and so okay. I'm having to learn a bunch of new stuff. Okay. Um. So yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. Well, let's talk about what's your what is your current venture and and uh, how do you see that that playing out in the next few years? Sure. So I've got a fast, uh, fun, irreverent daily newsletter. It's a daily update for investors. And so basically uh, on Monday, we're going to cover what is important to keep an eye on uh, for the rest of the week. And Tuesday, we start to investigate a little bit 
into um, uh, an investment theme. And mm -hmm. Wednesday, we take a look at the data around that. And then Thursday, we have a, uh, a call or an interview or a deep dive on a, an alternative investment uh, fund platform or strategy where we really mm -hmm. uh, get into that. And then on Friday, we kind of wrap up the week and talk about what, what to look for for the next week. Um, I try to make them, uh, we try to make them like really fun, four minutes flat. It's pretty irreverent. It's kind of a punch in the face. Uh, sometimes don't hold anything, anything back in there. Um, and so that's, uh, that's what that is over there. I'm hiring right now, a content manager and a social media manager and some other roles. And, um, and yeah, so it's, uh, free. Uh, what I see happening on the back of that is, um, some community and some joint investments into, you know, probably funds mm -hmm. like yours. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, so that's the idea over there at Alt Reports. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So Alt Reports and, and can people sign up for your newsletter there? Yeah. Go to altreports.com and uh, there's a bunch of ways to, to sign up. You'll find once you get there and uh, it's free. If it's not for you after you subscribe, unsubscribe, no hard feelings. Um, but uh, it's been, I've had a great response. We have a tremendous open and click through rates and um, really some fantastic replies. And I, I'm getting to engage and uh, meet a lot of folks mm -hmm. in uh, in investing who are doing some really cool stuff that I look forward to like bringing, um, you know, to the fore each week. So. Mm, that's great. So what's the, how does the, what's the main profit center for you there? Um, sure. So look? we're going to have some sponsorship uh, to start. And then I see on the back of that, like um, probably there's um, some community and there mm -hmm. is uh, there might be a fund or a fund of funds or a syndicate or, you know, that Got kind it. of thing behind there. A lot of what we do talk about is for accredited investors mm -hmm. only, but it's not exclusively. Um, and I am we're working to, you know, find more opportunities where that are are um, less restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Got it. Uh, Kevin Dahlstrom. You should go, you should go listen to that episode. It's okay. really cool. He, he's working on a company called Swell, and they're part of what they're working on is opening up uh private investments for non-accredited, you know, making yeah. it a little more, I guess, democratic, if you will. That's great. Um so, but yeah, where can uh, our, where can our listeners find you? Any other places besides altreports.com? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's uh, LinkedIn, um, you know, dot com slash in slash Breck B R E C H T, uh, or if you just type in B R E C H T Palumbo, there's not a lot of us in there. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter, but I don't do too much over there. Um, yeah. But I am I am checking my LinkedIn there every day, so. Yeah. Got it. Awesome, Breck. Well, I know we, we went a little bit long, um, but you only work four hours per week, right? So. <laughs> no, that was the, that was the old. <laughs> that was, that was now the I old work Breck. again, okay. you know, fifty hours a week. So. I was just giving you a hard time, but uh, yeah. thank you so much for uh, for being vulnerable and talking about some, you know, some some painful personal uh, periods in your life, and um, I do appreciate that, and I know our listeners will as well. Um, so thanks again. My pleasure. And to our listeners out there, thank you all for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Have a good Thanks. one. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. 
If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, inspiring stories of mental, physical, and financial transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.